Hey, if you missed part one of the two-part Sunday Night Podcast that Rusilla and I did, it's already up. Go check it out. We talked about the Masters. We gave our MVP picks. We talked a little bit about Brooklyn, stats, a whole bunch of things. Go check it out. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. The experts at eBay know that inspecting every tick of your next watch is time well spent. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, you can trust that every tick of your next timepiece is authentic. Time and time again, every movement inspected, every crown checked and face verified. eBay dedicates time to the details and with authenticity guarantee, they've got your back. Shop with the same confidence you'll feel when you put on that new timepiece. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. New rewatchables coming on Monday night. We are doing The Player, 30th anniversary of one of the best modern Hollywood movies about Hollywood that's been made, a Robert Altman classic. Wait for that on Monday night. Check out the Prestige TV podcast as well. Don't forget about part one of this podcast, which went up earlier today. Part two coming up right now, me and Marcelo reacting to the playoff matchups. We're gonna give our all NBA picks and a little bit more than that. First, one more time, Pro Jam. All right, part two of the podcast. Priscilla is here. It's a little past 8.30 Pacific time, Sunday night. Um, did this work, this game 82 with the play-in, and it was supposed to be this big smorgasbord of all of these different uh, exciting games and race to the wire, and oh my God, what are the seeds going to be? And half the teams punted. You could have predicted where everything landed. The only uh, interesting thing that happened was Luca strained his calf. What can they do to improve this last day? I'm up for anything, man. I've watched basketball every night except for three since October 20th. I've watched basketball every night except for three nights, nights since October 20th. Um, just the other day, the Milwaukee-Boston game, 4.30 tip out here on the Pacific Coast, and I'm like, oh, whatever I'm doing today, I'm making sure I'm on my couch. And then I see the lineups announced. I go, all right. So, look, I am not one um, that loves everybody with their spare time and all the outlets deciding to fix everything. I'm going to give you two quick examples. College signing day and college football. Everybody, no matter what date it is, everybody thinks it's wrong. So then everybody has a solution, right? Look at the NBA. People have been like, you know what? The draft should be after free agency. In the NFL, we have it that way. And the people are like, you know what? It really should be before free agency. So I really think that no matter what you have, people are always going to find ways to poke holes in things. So I've never been a, a, a big fan of the fix everything crew. But we already know that Silver even said himself, which all of us already know, guys don't play enough games. This should be an awesome day today. And it sucked. <laughs> okay? It sucked. There was nothing, there was nothing from today 
And I'm all for the top four seeds picking who they're going to play. So everybody's playing until the end. I'm actually, I think tanking has been better, Bill. Like I think years ago, you used to feel like a third of the league before the season even started wanted to lose every single game. I don't think yeah. the plan necessarily fixes that. I don't love the concept of playing game because I don't love that Minnesota has a chance after winning 46 games, has a chance to not be in the playoffs, and the Spurs do winning 34. Granted, it's still weighted for Minnesota, so I don't love that part of it. But I am, I am fully on board now with some dramatic changes to figure out a way to just have the games be more and guys playing more games because it's a major problem. And it today... A lineup that should have been celebrated, all these moving parts, it was nothing. Nothing mattered today, and it sucked. Well, well we did have teams choosing who they were going to play by choosing not to play their own players. I think Milwaukee chose who they wanted to play. They wanted to play Chicago, and they wanted to get away from Brooklyn. I'm with you. I think if we're talking fixes, the season should be shorter, and I think it would be harder to maneuver because we'd have less of a sample size, and I think it would be a little bit easier Um to force these guys to play. The longer the season goes, the more of a stretch there is. And you see like all of a sudden Phoenix and Memphis are way ahead of everybody else. And I don't know, 72, I, other than money and all these owners make plenty of money and the next media deal is going to be even bigger than the last one. Other than money, there's no other reason not to go to a 72 game season. Even me, the biggest history guy on the planet, give me the 72 game season. I'm fine with it. These guys are sitting out left and right anyway. And if we had a little more space between the games, we'd have more guys who we care about playing more games versus like them taking nights off here, that nights off there, plus the way the end of the season. So that would be my one fix. The other one, you may, I'm glad you mentioned the Minnesota-New Orleans thing because it's ridiculous. San Antonio. I'm sorry, or Minnesota-San Antonio or right. Minnesota-New Orleans, either one. Sure, if, fine, right. Let's say Minnesota loses to the Clippers which, by the way, it would be on them because then they'd be setting themselves up for whatever. But I do think, like, if you're under 500 and the other team is over 500, you're going to laugh. This is one of my dumbest ideas ever, but I swear if you think about it, you like it. Maybe you stake the team that's over 500 with a lead starting the game based <laughs> on how many, how many wins under 500 the other team is. So... Let's say, what, what's New Orleans' record going to be ultimately? Like 34? What are they, like 30, no, 34 No, they got a couple wins? more wins than that. No, San 36? Antonio is 34. Yeah, 36. New Orleans is 36. So let's say New Orleans beats San Antonio. And then in the next round, they play the Clippers. Why can't the Clippers start that game just up five points? That's their advantage because they finished over 500 and that would be their playing advantage. How about this? If you don't, if you don't like that, win, win half of your games. Then maybe you could avoid the play in where you're like minus five heading into the game. That would be my fix. You kind of like it. I see like a small smirk. No, I'm just open to it now. I'm I'm open to it in a way that I never was before. Like whenever anybody talked about the lottery and not tanking, and then you go, you should have the first team with the best record get the first pick and go in reverse order to solve tanking. And I'm like, yeah, but that's ridiculous because then you could have a team like we've had teams in the West with what 47, 48 wins that originally were a nine seed yeah. and they missed out before we had the play and stuff. And by the way, the play in is fun. We'll all enjoy it. It's exciting. It's a lot on the line. All that stuff. We'll watch but every back, minute. Right. But back to the point of what you and I both said this entire time. I don't love that you can win 12 more games and yeah. then it's like penalty. You actually, be a penalty. Some sort right. of penalty. So, so I'm 
Like maybe it's because I went to a G League game last week, you know, and th- instead of dapping up every fucking free throw, even after the misses, the first two, you know, a guy gets three free throws and everybody in the NBA daps up after the first two misses. Um, and then guys <laughs> get annoyed, like when they don't get dapped up, the G League, they just shoot one free throw until the final two minutes in overtime. So just shoot one free throw and get the game moving. Like, I, again, I mean, the G League is insane because those guys get up and down the court. And I'm not saying like I want the NBA to be like that, but there are, there's just... It's been it's we're year three of a weird year, but I think the player now is conditioned knowing that he can kind of get away with it. And then teams will do what's best for their team, which I completely understand. But for the greater good of the league, this this was a total dud today, man. And it's because we care that we're annoyed. The only pushback I would have to your 72 game thing. And I'm not even saying that. No, don't do that. I think players are conditioned that if we had 72 guys to start playing 55, thinking that was normal. You know, I I really Mm. I think that's just what you deal with today but to find well, any incentive to to have more regular season games matter i'm all for it i'm more open to it than i've ever been before maybe go to 76 and try that see how it goes they fixed a couple things the plan's fun i know you're a traditionalist but it's still fun it's we'll, fun oh, we'll yeah. watch every game yeah. it'll be good and you have to earn it golden state had to earn making the playoffs last year they couldn't win one of the two games and they went home i think the lottery stuff has gotten a lot better you're still going to have your portland's I don't really know what their incentive was to just set their entire team on fire and end it like they did because they only ended up in the sixth spot. But if you're in the bottom four, you're basically guaranteed the same odds across the board, right? So what we saw was like some of those bottom four teams I thought did play a little bit harder than usual down the stretch. And we got to see some of the rookies actually keep playing. Like what Jalen Green, in the old days, I think Houston just kind of buries Jalen Green down the stretch. Because they don't want to, you know, they want to make sure they get the number one seed, something like that. I didn't mind that. So look, they'll they're willing to experiment. I think this plan thing's a work in progress. I'm with you in that they have to figure out how it's a little bit more of a disadvantage to be 34 and 48 and be in the playoffs. That shouldn't just be like we're 34 and 48, two wins, and we're in the playoffs. It's like no, it just should shouldn't work that way. Because you're Lakers right to point that out. Made the playoffs. Right. Because technically in the play-in game, like Sacramento were in the play-in game and then lost, the playoff drought continues just for bookkeeping purposes. Yes. Um, and actually all the numbers sort of live myth- mythically in their own little category. I don't know if you knew that too. Like they don't, they don't count in some fucking weird way. But I know. don't understand why they did it that way. It's either added to a regular season total and have 83 games instead of 82, or it, they should just be playing playoff games. Why not? Maybe, I mean, maybe they, they about, are playoff look, games. Maybe they cared about the records. I mean, college football destroyed their record books by all the extra games, and then they did a weird thing where bowl game stats didn't count for guys before that were playing even less, and now the bowl game stats count. So like Barry Sanders, I think, doesn't his bowl games don't count. But guys, right. their bowl games with extra games, conference championships, and if you're good enough to be in the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, Portland, I, I get what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to increase their odds. And I think maybe even in a weird way, go, what if we were to land a guy like Chet, who maybe is somebody that um, likes, you know, likes actually playing in Portland? Because the other thing, every team is freaking out about, like, okay, we got a guy in here. Look at the Zion factor. I mean, all the Zion thing has been is one really fun year to watch. And then a constant headache of whether or not this guy wants to stick around, even though he hasn't even gotten his rookie extension. So this stuff will start getting weirder. weirder. I mean, Portland played Reggie Perry, Didi, 
uh, Brandon Williams, Ella B, <laughs> Keon Johnson, who's the kid from Tennessee, his first round pick. Their starting five for the Trailblazers today had uh, less than 120 combined games with Portland. I mean, P- Presti sat Poku because he was too good. Yeah, like, po- Poku, you're going to need to cool off. You're too good for this game. All right, so it looks like we're going to have Miami versus Atlanta. I'm assuming Atlanta gets out of that Cleveland 9-10 thing. I'm just th- throwing them in. Just keep going with me. My okay. guesses would be Miami, Atlanta, Boston, Brooklyn, definite. Milwaukee, Chicago, definite. Philly, Toronto, definite. And then on the other side, Phoenix versus the Minnesota Clippers winner. Memphis versus the loser, unless New Orleans can beat the loser. Warriors, Denver. Dallas, Utah. And from a head-to-head matchup, out of all the matchups I just mentioned, the only one that's notable is Milwaukee beat Chicago all four times. And if you're going to bet, if you're thinking sweep, if you're thinking sweep bet, there's always at least one sweep. I would say Milwaukee, Chicago, or whoever Phoenix plays would be my two. My question for you. Everybody's trying to make these, like as we look big picture, who's going to make the finals, all that stuff. I think it's so set up for Phoenix. I can't believe, like even today, Luca, who strains his calf in this game, we'll see. They said he might be done a week. Who knows? But he won't be 100%. He it was didn't 100%. Look didn't good look at awesome. All, didn't look awesome. Because when yeah. he hits, it looks, at first you're like, oh, it's knee to knee. But then when you watch it again, you go, wait, the pain reaction was more delayed than you would think of the knee to knee. And when he turned to transition to go back the other way, he couldn't move. Yeah. And then he had to be helped off, and I'm going, what the hell is going on? So I don't. I hope it's nothing, but that's also the story of the players. Like two or three of these super important players are going to be out, right? It just well, happens. Look, but think about Phoenix. They have Memphis, who Ja has just been gone, and we'll see if he's back at 100 percent when the playoffs start. Although that's their biggest still, rival. They're still awesome without him, but right, yeah, go ahead. But they're going to need him in the playoffs. Of course, State, yeah. we haven't seen Curry yet. Luca just limped off. Jokic, it doesn't look like Murray or Porter are coming back unless they're saving it for like some giant WrestleMania reveal. Oh my God, that's Cody Rhodes. Oh my God, that's Jamal Murray. Uh, Clippers, Paul George, yes. Norman Powell, yes. Kawhi, I'm hearing three on three with him. I don't, haven't heard of five on five. I don't think there's any way he comes back until we hear about him scrimmaging. My point is it's lined up for Phoenix, who was a historically great team had one of the best 17 records of all time and is a team that I think you and I talk about the Utah game. Cause I know you were just thrilled by that the other night. Well, I mean, that was just down, down 17 going into the fourth and then to see Chris Paul read what they were trying to do. So, you know, like, like always you knew they were going to come for Gobert and get switches, but what they do is it's just crazy to me that even at the NBA level, you'll see stuff happen and you're like, well, why can't you do more of the stuff like Chris Paul does it? Like Chris Paul is not just getting the switch and being like, okay, I got Gobert time to get space on a step back three. Oh, I got Gobert. So I'm just going to try to turn the corner on him because Gobert is still like kind of ridiculous on showing and, and retreating. It's just when you get him further and further away from the hoop, any of these big guys, it's almost impossible to ask them to do this stuff. So they ran like two simple variations on it. So Conley from the left side had bridges yeah, Paul goes left off the screen and Conley's already shading away to be like, all right, you're going this way. I know what you're trying to do. So I'm good. I mean, this is Mike Conley. who's a terrific player. Right. Goes, all right, I'm going to cheat. And as soon as Paul knows he's cheating, Bridges cuts, pass, 
dunk. They run it the other side. This time, Paul keeps it, but the whole idea was that Aiton would trail it. So Aiton wouldn't just stop. It's like, let the play get past you and then trail this. And he immediately turns around and Paul has no and intention. And he did it. Of, right. And Paul has no intention of actually attempting a shot at the rim against all this traffic and Gobert, who is great at retreating. And he knows the whole time. He's like, as long as they think I'm going to the rim, we're good. And he goes up left side and then just midair turns back around to a trailing eight and wide open dunk. And it was two simple things. Whereas when I watch Atlanta, despite Trey's numbers, it's like, oh, you're going to run that double screen left to right off the top. And then it's just what, and sometimes it does work for them. So it's not like they run this terrible play all the time, but it's just kind of funny when you notice these little variations and you think, why, why can't more teams do this? I guess it's because they don't have Chris Paul. They are so lights out. Unbelievable at the end of games. And in a weird way, I think they're going to be a better playoff team than a regular season team. Like I was looking at, I, I laid all out, I mapped out like a big bracket and I was trying to figure out what's Phoenix record going to be going into the finals. That's how confident I am they're going to make the finals. It's like, will they have two losses? So, you know, round one, it's going to be New Orleans or the Clippers. I think the Timberwolves will beat whoever and they'll, they'll be the seventh seed. They're sweeping either of those teams. Then you go to the next round and they're going to play the 4-5, which is Dallas-Utah. Dallas might win one. Now Luka is compromised anyway. I just, they're going to be better. Everything slows down and that's like the greatest ever for Phoenix. Like with the, the stuff you were just mentioning with Chris Paul, forced movie analogy coming. Remember the edge with uh, Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, and they're in the woods. They're in the yeah, woods. Yeah, they're trying they're just... to figure out the bear. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, you got to like be careful with the bear. We need a plan. You got to back up slowly. And, you know, you don't want the bear to... Chris Paul was treating Gobert like that, like like the bear. He <laughs> he was going in and he wasn't attacking him. He wasn't step-backing him. He was just kind of three feet away from him, fucking with him. And then just, <laughs> just decided... And Gobert is one of the best defensive players in the league. And he had no idea what to do. Two-thirds of the time on that. Paul's just mastered it. He knows his team. It's like an F1 driver. Like, he knows his engine. He knows his pit crew. Listen he's to just, you. He's just fucking, he knows it. He knows the landscape. And then they have Booker, who's basically Kobe Light at this point. We're doing the uh, the Booker-Kobe stuff? That's reminds me of them. I, I, don't th- I think it's valid. I think there's some similarities. Kobe's I think better. there is some, some triple threat movements where he jab steps you and pulls up and hits jumpers that do look like him. Yeah. yeah. He reminds me of him. Totally. He's not as good of an athlete as young Kobe was. No. I don't think there's any question. I think he's as competitive as young, as young middle and older Kobe was. Definitely is. Um, I think he's more fun to play with in a lot of ways than a bunch of different versions of Kobe. But, you know, he's, they have these two options at the end of these games. And anytime it's a two-point game or a three-point game, whatever, with five minutes left, I feel like they're going to win. And that's going to translate into the West. And if you told me Curry was 100%, Draymond was 100%, and, you know, I don't know what else we'd need. Clay is going to yeah. I mean, be the best better. version. Yeah, he's right. better. I still don't totally trust him, but um, I just think it's lined up for them. When we come back, we are going to do, instead of a playoff matchup preview, we are going to do a finals MVP draft. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. 
sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, finals MVP draft. I think we should have Saruti flip a coin. Okay. Saruti, flip an imaginary coin. Tell us who's going first. We'll call it. What do you got? Priscilla calls. He's the guest. Heads. Oh, it's tails. Sorry, dude. There's no way Saruti was going to pick me. <laughs> no, was, I'm listen, dude, questioning my integrity was tails. <laughs> all right, finals MVP draft. We're going to alternate. Snake draft? Yeah, snake draft. We'll just do, oh, you want to have the two no. and the three picks? No, people used to always get annoyed with Scott and I for not doing snake drafts. It's like, it's two people, guys. It's, yeah, two, it's two people. people. We, we're pretty we, good we're okay. We're okay. All right, my finals MVP draft. Number one pick. Kobe Light. We were just talking about him. Kobe Light, Devin Booker. I think he has to be the number one pick. I think that's the safest finals team by far. They are plus 120 on FanDuel. I'd be surprised if they didn't make the finals. In the East, you could you could make a case for five teams. I really like three, but I, I would accept the case for five. In the West, I think it's Phoenix, and they're going to have home court. They're really good. They're motivated from last year. It's a 2014 Spurs. A lot of the same narratives. Chris, your guy. It's all sitting there for him right now. And Booker's the best player in the team and uh, the most likely candidate to win finals MVP. That is my pick, Devin Booker. Yeah, he's the only pick. Now I'm worried because this can go in a bunch of ways and go bad. By the way, Phoenix is 32-9 and nine on the road. Their road winning percentage is better than any team's winning percentage. Did you see the Boston road stuff? Uh, Where which part? For, for the season, they're like 7.8, plus 7.8 on the road. It's like the second highest in the history of the Celtics franchise. Grandy is tweeting some of it. They're yeah, like Grand, an amazing road team. Grandy had something where they have had 20-point leads in 19 games on the road. Yeah. Now, some yeah. of it, there's been situations like Memphis. Normally, that's going to be an impossible game, and they play them today, and Memphis is throwing it away, right? They had a Brooklyn game where um, nobody played. They had, um, they said there's probably four that they just lucked out because of the schedule. But for the most part, they've been really good on the road, and I don't really, I can't fully explain it. Okay, all right. So Booker's the best pick here. And he's going to put up the best stats if they were going to win a finals anyway, unless Chris Paul was like really so I'm kind of torn on do I go with the Phoenix part of this and take the second best option on a Phoenix team. Oh, wait, uh, on the on the Celtics thing quickly. Yeah. Back Randy to the said they had the, the best road scoring differential since 2008. 08 Boston, 07 San Antonio and 22 Boston. Three best road scoring differentials in the last 20 years. That's not nothing. No, the statistical profile stuff for Boston. Yeah. It, you know, because I'll try to break it down by month. Or, you know, because sometimes I'll do after the All-Star break, and then I'm like, all right, it's too many games. And then it could be too short of games. Like Atlanta's yeah. profile on some of the stuff as they've closed. I guess you could argue that Atlanta, who's the most disappointing team in the East, has played their best basketball. They're fifth in offense, 11th on defense, which I think would shock people. Hmm. Um, 
because it's like, wait, is Atlanta going to get left out of this whole thing? Or, or what if Atlanta were to knock out Brooklyn? What if we had kind of a Golden State in Brooklyn this year where you're so impressed with Golden State finding a way to stay alive and you go, oh, cool, playing game. Now we have right. no Steph in the playoffs and suck. And so then on the other side of this, imagine Durant in some one and done scenario. You know, like, is it is it crazy to think? It feels like Cleveland's been exposed here. So I know we're going to do more of this. Stuff. I wish they, just they were healthy. a very good team. Yeah, I wish and they since, had everybody. Since January 1st, Phoenix 37 and 9, Boston and Dallas both 34 and 12, Memphis 33 and 12, and then Philly surprisingly 32 and 15. Anyway, you're up. Okay. Second all right. Pick. All right. Yep. Took too long. Let me just take Giannis. Our board was similar. I was hoping he'd be there for me at three. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't. I can't give you because now you got to kind of work against your own pick if you're going to take somebody else. I think Milwaukee is the most likely team to make the finals from the East. Doesn't mean they will make the finals, but the fact that, you know, they played it perfectly. Boston was either going to be the two or the four. And Milwaukee kind of checkmated them by throwing away the game today. Now they get Chicago. They're going to house Chicago. They know Brooklyn and Boston, one of those two will knock each other off. They'll hope it's Boston that gets knocked off. Then they would have Brooklyn in round two, and they would still have home court advantage. So pretty smart. Yeah, and Milwaukee. Brooklyn Miles on them. I thought, uh, I don't like when teams duck other teams, but I there was a decent case for it. Yeah, maybe we just, in the new NBA, it's when you win a title, you're like, we're good. Where it used to happen if you won like three, or you were in two of four finals, and this was another run where you were always kind of in the mix in the last five years, and you kind of accept. Maybe we just look at teams and they go, hey, we want a title. We're good. Because if you go last 15, and Bucks fans know this, statistically, there's a lot of stuff there that isn't very good. Yeah. But defensively, they've been a mess now for about a month again. They have a negative net rating over that time. They're below 500 against teams 500 or better. I mean, the only teams in the East that have, a, I would say, a good record against teams 500 or better, Miami six over. Boston seven over and Toronto beats good teams. They're six over. Everybody else, Philly's a couple over 500. Milwaukee's just below 500. Where when you go back west, the top teams are just better against better teams. And Phoenix is 31 and 13. 31 yeah. and 13. They just thrash everybody. Right. So, and one of the uh, best clutch teams in the history of mankind. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah it's look, your pick. Uh, Milwaukee's the safest pick in the East. And, you know, it worked out perfectly for them. I think there's three teams that really matter in the East, plus Miami. We'll see what we get from them. And Brooklyn and Boston, they get to avoid one of them. My uh, my third pick is Tatum. I okay. uh, I really like that they went for the two seed today. You think and, it means something? This is like Olympic stuff with Donovan Mitchell and Dwayne Wade, right? <laughs> I saw what you did there. Now, I don't think, I think Boston thinks we're really good. It also tells me that the whispers that Time Lord is going to be ready for round one. I don't think they do this unless they feel like they're getting robbed for at least most of the round one series. If, the, if he's not in there, it's different. But I think with Rob, from what we've seen from Brooklyn, we talked about it in part one, they're going to have game seven home. And as I said in uh, part one, I value having game sevens at home. They'll have Milwaukee game seven home too if they can get by Brooklyn. It won't be fun to play KD and Kyrie. By the way, that is the best series around one, like hands down, right? Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Boston. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that could be a conference finals. All the stuff, especially how bad it last year. Granted, Jalen was hurt, but you know what he was picking him. You know, right. that was that was always kind of the team where because of all the Kyrie stuff, you would just go, 
And I remember when we would be talking about the Celtics, going, I can't believe how soft this team is. Like you just lost to the Nets again. And first thing you do is go hug Kyrie for 12 fucking minutes. So um, that part of it, now that they're good, now that they feel like they're good. And then I think there's some Rob Williams stuff. If he comes back, you know, is, is the Bruce Brown matchup different because he stretches the floor and it takes Rob further away. How do they counter that? Because Brooklyn would probably go small and just try to surround everybody with shooters. You know, I don't know. Just out, talk it out loud here. All right. So can I give that, you, yeah. Can I tell Kyle to turn the camera on for one second here? There's a Boston history run that would tap into a lot of the ghosts from the past that is now laid out. And here it is. Nets round one. Who beat them in 02 and 03 during the one fun time between the Bird era and the KG era? The Nets. And they've been, they usually beat the shit out of the Nets, but they had two conference finals losses against them. Round two. Milwaukee. 1974 finals. What a battle. Ah, one of the all-time. Al, C- Al Cinder and, oh no, he's Abdul-Jabbar at that point. Abdul- Abdul-Jabbar and, uh, and Cowens. Some great battles. And then in the 80s, who swept them? Who swept the Bird Air Celtics? The 1983 Bucks. Then we go back. They sweep them in 86. 87's a classic series. A lot of history with Milwaukee. Round three. What if Philly beats Miami? What if it's Philly waiting? Philly is the is actually Boston's rival. It's not the Lakers. Over the years, that they played the most playoff series against Philly. They have the most history with Philly. I think they've had a big playoff series against them in every decade. Philly round three, and then Phoenix round four, the Triple OT 1976 finals. One of the great games in the history of the league. And Phoenix-Boston, the rematch. So the, the ghosts of the past could rise up four straight rounds. I wish you were still writing because Ghosts of Girlfriends Past Celtics Playoff Style is an amazing headline. <laughs> That's it. I got the quotes. I'll do it tonight. I'm coming back. All right. You're up. You're up. You have the fourth pick. You just over McConaughey's face superimposed on yours. Yeah, but just a little hair in the bottom. Sure. Yeah, right. That's great. I, I don't know. We're going to keep sh- workshopping that. All right. So then that means I'll take Chris Paul. Sentimental. If the stats aren't overwhelming, the writers will love that stuff. Storyline stuff. Same thing as Iguodala getting the 2015 finals over Steph, which he shouldn't have. Um, but I'll, I'll take Chris Paul, Phoenix factor. So I had him fifth and I had Luca fourth, but now Luca has a strained calf. And I feel like I should stick with my initial list. That, is it fair to change the list on short notice or should I stick with the list I made a half hour ago? Have you seen Kevin Costner in draft day? You got to be malleable, man. Yeah, that's fair. I had Chris fifth. I think it's a great pick. You're basically bucking the odds because what is it? Sixty. If Phoenix wins the finals, sixty forty Booker versus Paul for Finals MVP. I would say something yeah. like that. Sixty two thirty eight. I don't know. Good pick. <laughs> I think it. Dro- I think the draft drops off. You think? You think there's a tier of the top I, four? I think we've just dropped because those were the three teams I like the most. Oh man! Now I'm afraid to take Luca. Luca was like my big sleeper. I was all excited. You know, the the roadmap with him. That looks bad. Yeah, that didn't look great. The thing I liked about them was they had Utah round one, and I think neither of us like Utah. I like them more than you do. The Mitchell fourth quarter stuff is pretty weird. The Athletic had a big piece about it the other day, and it backed up kind of what I've seen watching hoops. like the, the Some of the Mitchell tight game stuff. I, I haven't liked the shot selection really for the last couple of years. And it's not the first time it's been brought up on this pod. But if it turns into a my team's best player against Mitchell, I I like my odds with my team's best player. He doesn't scare me in the last five minutes the way some other guys do. 
No, he's got some Westbrooky in him. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's Good had call. it now for a couple of years. I've called it. I mean, I've I've talked about this. I still really like him a ton because of it's not his getting ability. better. Well, I know, but then you also think of that ridiculous series against Denver. You know, I mean, go back and look at some of the stuff that he did in the playoffs. So the fact yeah. that he actually has some really nice playoff stuff built in. But yes, the decision making, the forcing the issue thing. Um, yeah, it can be. He bad just seems sometimes. way. He seems way too happy with twenty seven footers and pull up stuff and instead of just doing the Wade, Dwayne Wade and going to the basket. I am going to take, you know what? I'm still taking Luca. I'm not going to be scared. Are you off. sure? Yeah. I'm not going to be scared off by his, his strained calf thing. I'm not. All right. That was going to sit up for such a great podcast moment. Cause I was going to take him. I was going to wait for you to pass. And then You're trying to talk gonna, me out of it. Yeah, I was going to go, all right, I'll take Luca. Okay, we that's have great fine. technology today. I just reading, I was reading about Ben Simmons trying to figure out how much of that Ben Simmons story was bullshit. Seems like 75% bullshit. I'm not, I'm not saying the reports were bullshit. I think the team's telling the reporters that he might be back. But if you deep dive it, he's doing some treadmill I've never heard of. It's like a, it's a gravity treadmill. Yeah, it's the you one where it's is? like an yeah, it's an apron around. You your go lower, into this yeah. big cube, so it take it takes off some stress on your lower back, and he's been working out on that. And then Nash was like, "Yeah, he's look good in his one one v zero drills. He hasn't even played three and three yet. So yeah, could he could he play fifteen minutes in game six and game seven around one? Like, sure, puncher's chance, but he's not going to be guarding Jason Tatum in round one of the playoffs. It's not happening." I swear to God in his contract, and I'm going to give Clutch credit for this, as soon as you get Ben Simmons, they meet with the social media team and they go, all right, look, we don't know if he's going to play, but probably not. But what we'd really like you to do is like every few weeks, just post something from the team feed of him hitting a jumper. Practice. Right. Post something just, of him in practice gear. Yeah. Right. Look at sweaty. Right. But just like deep jumpers, pure, wet. And we just... Just get that out there. We just want to piss off everybody that he never takes those in games. We on the same page? All right, cool. Because Brooklyn had it going the other day. He had a three, mm. nice dribble drive, pull up, 15. Look yep. great. It's going. Look out. We're like, we're like, oh, cool. We have more videos of Ben Simmons hitting jumpers. Terrific. Um, Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why Ben Simmons <laughs> can stretch the floor. According to this one Instagram video I saw, that's next. Um. All right, are you up or am I? Oh, I'm, you're up. I think I'm up. Luca. You have the sixth pick. So, so far we've had Booker, Giannis, Tatum, Chris Paul, Luca, And the sixth pick is? Ja. Man, we had the same list. I think it's good value. It's great value. What if he's 100% and they're just like, lay low, dude. You're what? a crazy person. We have to protect you from yourself. It's like when, when, uh, when the baseball owners had to put in that, like the crazy luxury tax stuff to protect the expensive owners from themselves. They had to protect Ja from himself. They're like, you're too crazy. You're, you're, you're up 30 diving into four guys on flying, on flying layups with two minutes left in the game. We got to just, we'll see in the playoffs. I think that's what they did. Like when you get to college and everybody signs up for the credit card and I called my dad, I was like, Hey, I got a UVM. MasterCard. And he's like, no way. He's like, you sure about that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. He goes, what's the credit limit? I was like, oh, it's good. It's like 500 bucks. 
And he goes, yeah, okay. He's like, I'm not worried. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right, Jaws, the sixth pick. Is Memphis the number one wild card for you in these playoffs? That's Golden Se- State. Ceiling basement team? Who's your ceiling basement? Most store, most floors between the basement and the ceiling. Uh, well, I, I don't see Memphis losing in the first round. I, you know, the Memphis thing, it'd be great if it was everybody and we already knew, but even without everybody, I mean, this team won 56 games. Their point differential, I think, is what, the third best in the NBA? Uh, actually, Utah is tied with Memphis' third best point differential, even though no one seems to like them. I'm not sure that I'm picking Dallas, even if Luka were healthy. Because uh, mm. Dallas does some weird stuff statistically where they're, they've won a bunch of these games, but they're not like off the charts in a bunch of things too. And I still don't always love the heliocentric NBA teams in the playoffs. They don't have great history with that. And so even though Luka, we feel like he just is unstoppable and we've talked about them and the Dinwiddie pieces totally work. They're opened up. They're not as exposed with Kristaps with out there defensively because he still has to get his minutes if he's on your team. But I, I'm not I'm not totally married to the idea of like Dallas is just going to roll through Utah. Now we'll know about the Luka part of it. So if we're going ceiling on this... So you're I saying Philly. Philly, highest ceiling basement team. That there's might be a world the call. Where, yeah, there's that might a, be the call. There's a world where Philly just loses in five to Toronto and we never see Harden in the Sixers uniform again. And they Doc's won one and Doc's you know the Lakers were. coach, and there's Zach Levine, Sixers rumors, and I, I'm prepared for anything. They went one and three against the Raptors this year. Oh, I'm aware. Okay. And the problem is, is when I was doing all the team versus team stuff, then if you really want to spend a great deal of time on it, you can start digging in and going, all right, but who is playing who? Like, Golden State is one yeah, and that, three against... They're yeah. one and three against Denver with two one-point losses. State, Steph played three games. Uh, Clay played two. Draymond played zero. So what am I supposed to do with a one and three record for Golden State against Denver on that? Some of the numbers are good reflections. A lot of them aren't. And you have to kind of dig through everything with this. So I think Philly actually is the right answer here. Because they lost to Toronto with the way they're coached, all their different options. But the problem is, is I'm just, don't you think Embiid, like even if we're doing that, maybe it's more of a Philly thing. But how how the hell are they going to stop Embiid over a seven-game series with their front line? Kem Birch? I was impressed by how hard Toronto made it for Harden in the game the other night. That was a, my one takeaway. I don't. I, I'm with you on the Embiid thing, but let's say he scores 35 a game in the series. Could Toronto still beat them? Yes. Like let, let's give Embiid 35 and 12. I still think with how bad Philly's bench is now, Niang. Who knows if he plays in round one? There's some stuff on him whether he's going to be healthy. Bang um, bang. Yeah. He's good. He's. I, I mean, he's one of the guys. If I'm the Sixers, that's one of the only guys I trust. And they could just throw athletes at. Harden over and over again and try to make him work on defense. Here's what I don't like about them, about that matchup. I was looking at slowest pace. Who do you think had the slowest pace in the league this year? Uh, Hold on. I knew knew this. Oh, yeah, it is. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Dallas is one. I was going to guess that. Miami's three. Toronto's four. Philly's six. And there was that Philly-Dallas game a couple Sundays ago that I watched because I bet on Dallas. And Philly beat them. One of the reasons they beat them is the pace, that slower pace when you're, you know, remember what Brooklyn did to Philly that first game when Kyrie went at Harden and the whole thing? And Brooklyn was like, we're just running on Philly. And after the game, KD was like, yeah, we knew, we know if we ran on them, they couldn't hold up. 
Boston can run on them. Milwaukee can run on them. Boston's seven in pace, but I think they can play up and down if they need to. Um, and Brooklyn and Milwaukee can run on them. Here's why I mentioned this. Philly in the first two rounds is playing two slow-paced teams. They're playing Toronto and then Miami. And those are like those 97 and 92. Embiid's not going to have to be sprinting back. Everything's going to be deliberate slow. It might actually be good for him. So I'm a little, as much as I want to take Toronto, I got to study that one more. I'm actually going to go back and watch probably their last two games and, and get a better feel for that. Because I think Toronto is going to be the sexy pick. They're going to be the sexy round one upset pick. It's going to happen. I'm telling you. Well, especially with the last matchup, which Toronto didn't have Van Vliet or OG. And that OG and an OB stat, their record with him versus without him is one of the more insane stats you're going to see. You're like, wait, you're that much better. With, and I like him too, by the way, but it's, it's yeah. like dramatic. And I don't know if that's half because of scheduling and some of the stuff they ran into, which can always be the case there too. Uh, but I like, I like your thinking on that. Um, because you're right, Miami isn't going to want to run. But then even though we love Bam, I think all of us love Bam. I, I think every single fan base would love to have Bam out of bio on their team. And he's, he's probably defensive player of the year in the top three if he plays a full season this year. But seven games of banging with Embiid. I don't you know, know. what would be fun about Philly, Miami? They, who's hard and covering in that series? Um, Whoever he's covering, they're going to be calling that guy over to set a pick for Lowry or Hero. Or, or Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be just, they're going to make Harden work. And what we've seen from Harden in these games is the teams that make him work defensively, eventually he just stops working. But as we're talking this out loud, too, it's the old Bill Russell thing. If you ever interviewed him and you'd say, hey, how would you handle Shaq? And he'd be like, how would Shaq handle me? He's yep. like, I would run him to death. Now, granted, I mean, Bill was going to have a hard time holding up the post against Shaq. Uh, against Shaq. But if you're Bam and so much of the offense runs through Bam, so you can have the size advantage with Embiid, but that's actually on the counter side of it for Miami as I'm thinking this out. Like, that's not a great time. You know what I mean? No. If you're if you're Embiid, you're like, so I have to I have to stay on this guy at the elbow extended, you know, and I got to deal with this guy rolling behind me all the time too. The way, I mean, remember when they just ate up the Celtics two years ago in the bubble season on those, those yep. trailing lobs to, to Bam. I mean, that's just it's a really tough thing to have to cover. We've also, Embiid's history in these playoff series is the games are so intense and he's so into it, he usually wears down as the games go along, especially if it's every other night. So, Harden's going to have too. to carry him. Harden's going to yeah. have to have one of those games. That maybe he gets a bunch of free throws in one of these, but I think that's the best choice. I think that was a good call by you. High ceiling basement. I don't trust Philly at all. Uh, let's take a break. We'll finish the draft. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/bs. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com. 
slash BS. All right, let's finish this really quick. Uh, I have the seventh pick. I'm going to take Steph Curry. I think this is the right territory to take a Golden State. Good value. I have no idea if Steph's going to be 100% for the playoffs. I assume he'll be relatively close. And if they win, he will be the finals MVP because he's the best player in that team. I would say if if they do get to the finals, I would just put, I would just throw a, a dime down on on Jordan Poole just to put a tiny one down because I could see him just going nuts in the finals. <laughs> be like, oh my God, Jordan Poole's averaging 30 a game in the finals. This is crazy. Uh, but Curry would be the smartest pick. So I'm taking Curry. Kevin Durant's still on the board. I know, I know. So I'm going to take him from you. Yeah. I had him next to. Because I knew you would take him next. I was on the fence about it because there's still one guy I want to take. I think it's the right time in the draft for him. I think we feel the same about Brooklyn ceiling if Simmons isn't able to come back and give them some real minutes. I just don't think they're deep enough. I don't think they have enough size. And I think you could give Durant and Kyrie 65 points a game. And I think it would be still hard for them to win three playoff series in a row. So that's my case. I'm taking Bam Knight. Just best available heat guy on the board. And I think he's a more realistic finals MVP in a Phoenix series than Butler is. Because I think Phoenix would wear the living fuck out of Butler in a series. Whereas Bam, I think, would be the key guy in that series from Miami's standpoint. If they actually won the series, I think it would be because of him more than anybody else. All right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and take the guy we were just talking about. Instead of Butler, I'll take Embiid. Okay. I had him 11th on my board. So that's your 10th pick. We're going I'm 30 just, rounds? No, nah, we'll go, we'll go uh, eight rounds. I, uh, I'm taking Kyrie. Just a value pick. I'm on the record as saying I think it's Boston, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn in the East. I would have Miami as the fourth choice. And with Brooklyn, Kyrie could easily get into the finals and average 35 a game and demolish Phoenix and a big Kyrie. Oh my God, the most unlikeliest finals MVP ever. Only played 20 MVP games. A hero to the non-vax community. Blah, blah, blah. I could see it. Voice for the voiceless. Yeah. All right. All right, you're up 12th pick. Give me somebody with a lot of voice. I'll take Jimmy Butler here. Oh, first guy you've taken that wasn't on my board. If the Heat are in the finals, Jimmy Butler has a great chance. I'm with maybe, you. I just, maybe even better than Bam. I was just matching him up against all those Phoenix guys, and it just felt like Jimmy Butler shooting 37% in that series. Okay. I'm going to take... Listen, there's no, there's no great pick left. I'm going to take Drew Holiday. Okay. I want to get another buck on the, off the board. I thought he was really crucial in that finals last year, and... Giannis is winning if they win the finals, but Holiday is a good backup choice. You're up. I'll take Aiton. Mm. I have Mikael Bridges. It's, it's a run on Suns. Wait, we took four Suns? Yeah. Why okay. not? They're making the finals. Then I'll take Middleton, who I almost took a couple picks earlier. All right. I'll take Jalen Brown. Oh, we're going nine. All right. Nine rounds. Yeah. Jalen. Jalen Brown. All right. Give me... Uh, Clay gets just walking on the sun hot, redemptive arc of all. Oh my arcs. god! It's like the end of the Notebook, and it's like there's the there's the easel and the and the canvas. Clay I'd, walks I'd, in. Twitter yeah. might actually have an orgasm. Yeah, 
That would be the number one moment in the history of basketball Twitter. Clay hits 33s in the finals and wins finals MVP. So the big lessons from us, um, we loaded up on Phoenix and on Milwaukee and on Boston in that. I think Embiid's probably best value. There is, there's a world, and I, I think Harden's We didn't load up on them. Boston, by the way. We took two guys. Well, the two Bucks in the top three. 12 or 13. Right. If F- Philly's the one that I'm not, even though I'm writing them off, the door is slightly ajar just in case Harden, for whatever reason, just starts playing really well. I don't think he has it in him. I think we've had a two-year sample size now with him. I don't think he's the same guy as he was. But who knows? Could he be playing possum this whole time? I don't know. Can't rule it out. No one took him. He'd probably be a smarter pick than... <sighs> well, I think with Harden, you're talking about an entire career of, uh, of playoff failures that would make me a little nervous to think all of a sudden he would put it together in four rounds. There's also like, you know, I, I don't think that situation is a good situation. I'll just I have my that. emergency Harden sheet ready to go at any moment. <laughs> Playoffs. If this was our TV show, we would just be constantly putting that up on the uh, thing. All right. Quick questions. Why was not Milwaukee more afraid of a game seven with Boston in Boston? Love the Chicago matchup. Avoid Durant. They won a title last year. They had to come back from 2-0. So I, I think those are all the things you add to it. I don't, I yeah. don't love... I, you remember last year when it was like, oh, the Clippers are such losers. They're trying to avoid yeah. you know, playing the Lakers. It looked like they wanted to play Dallas and all that kind of stuff. I get the arguments for people being like, if you're real, then who cares? You know, It's a bit like the Clippers thing when people thought maybe Kawhi was going to come back too, which again, you touched on it earlier. I don't know, man. And again, the Kawhi lesson that I've tried to share with everybody, as soon as somebody tells you they know what Kawhi's doing, don't listen to them because he's he's just not telling anybody what he's going to do. This is the way he operates. He's we'll not never telling know. anybody what the plan is. So if you're really good and you're Phoenix, you're like, all right, fine, cool. You get Kawhi and Paul George. Like, we don't care. Let's go ahead and play. Uh, so I, I think that's the thing with the Bucks. It was too long of an answer, but there you go. I'm not just saying this because my team ended up um, throwing this smackdown and trying to play them. I would much rather play Brooklyn in round one. Because I do think, what if what if Simmons is back in time for round two and they can get 20 to 25 minutes of good defense? I was looking, I looked at everybody I voted for OMBA for the last six years. And I forgot, like, I had Simmons in the third team in 2000, uh, 2020. And I think I toyed with him in 2019 too. Like, the guy's, a, if, if he's healthy, is somebody you could put on Jason Tatum. And he would at least make Jason Tatum work for baskets, which is a problem for the Celtics because that's really the only place they have to go in the last five minutes of a game that I totally trust. Um, from Milwaukee's standpoint, I would have just wanted to play them and get it over with because I think they would have beaten them. I think it's weird that they avoided it. I know Chicago's an easy game, but I don't totally get it. Um, young if, Milwaukee, star- if Milwaukee didn't win last year, Bill, though, they're getting crushed for these next 48 hours for doing this. Right? Yeah, I agree. Will we see Time Lord in round one? I say yes. I defer to you on that one because I don't have any info. Well, we'll see. The schedule of the games has not come out yet. By the way, the Lakers-Nuggets game is in OT as the Lakers are trying to avoid 50 losses. The, the schedule of the games has not come out yet. There's a feeling, so there's a Bruins game on Saturday at 1230. 
and there's a feeling that the the Celtics this this two seven if uh, if it's going to be Brooklyn that they would put that two seven on Saturday night, and that it would go Saturday Monday round one round two, which would actually be bad for Boston because that would be I don't think Time Lord's ready for those two, but I think as the series goes further, I think I I think we're going to see him. Would be my guess. Next question. Young star most likely to make the leap. I'm going to give you Tatum. I'm going to give you Ja. I'm not going to give you Booker because I feel like it happened last nah, year. No, nah. he's not. I mean, I'm going to give you one more name. Carl Anthony Towns. Tatum Ja this Towns. Tatum Ja Towns. Those three. That would be the order. Okay, that's what I have. You? Yeah. I think Minnesota, Edwards has had some knee stuff. And there was a stretch where he was just shooting threes and he, he, I don't think, was looking like crazy athlete Anthony Edwards there for a little while. And there were some pieces written about it that I thought captured that. Starting to look like himself again. And I think that team's a wild card. I don't, you and I both like them. I've enjoyed them in league pass this year. I just, my point is, I wouldn't just throw Memphis into all your parlays and just assume that series is going to be a walkover. I think Minnesota is like pretty good. I have liked it all year. I, you know, when we talked about them this summer, I felt like they closed with just a different personality, which I thought was like exciting because you thought, can they grow on this? And, you know, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. And that clearly carried over. Um, Edwards looked like he was frustrated at times too with the role. I think D'Angelo Russell, yeah. despite the sell job, that he's a different guy now. Um, mm. Uh-uh. I don't. I, it's been better, man. And I, I know he's still capable of putting up big numbers because he's a very talented player. But I don't think it's always a great time to play with. And I think Edwards, you could see where it just like, okay, so I'm just going to watch you. And that's tough for somebody like Edwards, who's such a gifted scorer. But he had 49 the other night against the Spurs. It remind he was making plays and hitting shots. He reminded me of the guy that when we started freaking out about him early in his second yep. year, being like, okay, this is a guy now. This is somebody that's exciting. He's almost appointment watching. So. I think this has been a great story and all this stuff, but I, I almost feel like you're underselling. Maybe we've under, like, I think we've been very pro Memphis, but it hasn't sounded very pro Memphis so far on this podcast. I don't think Minnesota can beat Memphis. I really don't. I don't think so either. I am pro Memphis. I'm just saying, I think people are just going to assume Minnesota is like could lose to the Clippers and be the, I, I think Minnesota is going to beat the Clippers and I think they'll do an admirable job against Memphis. I think they're better than the average person would think. Um, will Steph Curry be 100% again this season? I don't think so. I just don't. I think if he were, like, why is he going to be 100% game one here in a couple days? You know, don't you think they would have tried to get him? I know they said they didn't care about seed. They didn't care about seed when guys were still playing. But maybe they just collectively figure it out because they've been through so many wars before. But I hate I hate that injury against the Celtics because I actually thought Golden State was starting to turn a, uh, turn a corner there. Mm -hmm. They had the Milwaukee one. They had the Denver win at Denver. It looked like, all right, maybe they're going to start figuring this thing out here. So I would have thought if he were like close to 100, then they probably would have tried to get him some minutes at some point to get some continuity to going here. But if he comes back, they're going to try to guard everybody to death, meaning Poole, Clay, Steph playing a lot at the same time and just going, can you guard all of our guys? I think it'll be like 2016. He'll be able to play. I don't think he'll be 100% the Steph we're used to. But maybe his season... I mean, he didn't break anything. He didn't tear anything. 
Well, it's not the playoffs if we're not sitting around debating whether or not Steph is 100% or not. Yeah, fair. Uh, last question. Will this be Pop's last game, the playing game? Starting to feel that way. There's been you, little breadcrumbs, little breadcrumbs being sprinkled left and right. Um, I think he's probably done after this year. I don't have inside info though. Just a guess, reading the tea leaves. It's been a very common topic of just bullshitting with people, but I've never heard anybody be definitive about it. You know, it was a really easy version of it to sell that no one was going to report. It's like, hey, he's going for the record. He's going to get the record, and then he's going to bounce. And that's why they didn't tank this year because it was his last year. And he had an awesome quote the other day about tanking, just going, you know, philosophically, I don't know how you look at young players and say we're not doing everything. Like, if I'm not doing the best, how are you not doing the best? And he's like, and by the way, it may be stupid, which I think you could certainly make an argument against. Like, what's the point, San Antonio? You don't really have, I mean, DeJounte, big improvement this year. There's some nice yeah. pieces. There's some little role pieces there I think we all kind of like. So I love the spirit of his quote, even if maybe, you know, forced to agree or disagree, I disagree with it. So then I know that that's part of it. There was also another one that kind of floated around was that if Becky Hammond knew she wasn't going to get the job, that's why she bounced. And did they already know that they had a succession plan mm. for Pop? And then once she knew it wasn't her, Again, it's a theory that's been out there. I have no idea if it's true or not. Just talking here on a podcast. So there's a bunch of tea leaves, as you said, the crumbs, tea leaves, whatever you want to do. There's things that have been talked about with just bullshitting NBA gossip stuff with people about, hey, all of this adds up to him leaving. But nobody's told me, hey, he's definitely leaving. So I don't know. I think that guy would have a really hard time not being a coach, by the way. He's 73. He's two years younger than my dad. I could also see him being super happy he's not coaching anymore and just traveling the world and drinking wine. Playing games. Brooklyn, Cleveland. Poor Cleveland. That well, I was so much more excited for that playing game two months ago. Who knows? Maybe we'll get... Is there any chance we get Mobley and Allen in that game? Well, Mobley's playing. Mobley's back. Um, no, but I mean like the, the good versions of them. Yeah, I don't... The versions when it was felt a little Twin Towers-y. Who knows? Well, Brooklyn, he basically... Brooklyn's gonna win. This is it's a broken finger with Allen, and he said if he's ready to go, he'll go. So, how do you heal from a broken finger? Broken I, finger is going to heal, and then you play. I don't. You can't like come back early from that. Uh, put in a I splint. Think you kind of can. That's, we could put in a splint and tape it, but he could have done that three weeks ago. I'm surprised more guys um, can't play with broken fingers. To be honest with you, I think Atlanta is going to beat Charlotte. The no Hayward thing. Um, is it to me a deal breaker for Charlotte? I think they need Hayward to actually win a game. If you bet on Brooklyn and Atlanta to be the two playing teams that advance and are the seven and eight seeds, plus two ninety on FanDuel duel. FYI, uh, Minnesota Clippers. I have Minnesota in that. Who do you have? Minnesota Clippers. I, I'm two great coaches. Um, the Kawhi part of it is real. Uh, I'm sure there's some Clippers that would love to beat Patrick Beverly, who put on mm. the show, who was just a, he was just out of control tonight in this finale. He got tossed from the game. Um, he was doing all such stupid shit in the free throw thing where he's at the three point line, like he was trying to pretend he was going to do, and then they finally called it on him and he got annoyed. So maybe there's a little bit, I, I just feel like Minnesota's still really complete and they have multiple options you know they, they have they, there's just there's just a different you know we've already talked about it with minnesota I, I i'm a little too favorites on the plane i don't have like a sneaky 
one for you. I'd like to pick against Atlanta, but they're probably paying the best the best stretch. And when I talk just talent, like it's still frustrating to me that Atlanta's not closer to four or five seed than they are barely mm-hmm. being in the playing tournament. I kind of like New Orleans against the Clippers. That would be my one uh, surprise pick. If you have Minnesota and New Orleans, that's plus 550 on FanDuel. I kind of like that one. I think New Orleans is hard to play. <laughs> I think they have... Herb Jones can guard basically any swingman at this point and at least make them work. They have multiple scores. They have some size. I don't think they'll be afraid of the game. And uh, I would. I just wouldn't be shocked. You want to take... Let's take one more break and then we'll do uh, All-NBA and wrap it up. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLoobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. Who do you have for rookie of the year? Do you know yet? Yeah, I'm going with Cade. Really? I am. I'm not as caught up in the one loss record with rookie of the year. I never have been. I think he's the most important player on his team. And as much as I love Scotty Barnes and Mobley, I love both those guys. They've never been asked to do. And look, Barnes has had some incredible nights where he's run the offense. I mean, he can do a million different things. Cade has to figure out every single possession for not a great team. And I thought he ended up being a really, really enticing player there towards the end. So I know he's probably not going to win it. I haven't read much about it. Um, but I'll, I'll probably in a smaller group, but I'm picking Cade because I thought he had to do everything. Who do you have second? Barnes, then Mobley. I have Barnes, Mobley, Cade. Yeah, I think important people are going to go Barnes, Mobley, Cade. So. I, uh, I just don't really care if you're putting up good stats and doing a lot on a team that sucks. And I'm with you. I, he's been a revelation as a rookie. He's done everything you could possibly ask from him. Since January 3rd, he's basically 19.65. But I just, if you're the doing metrics, on a 20, look, the metrics 21 team, I don't care. Look, the metrics I, and all that stuff are bad. I, just, I love Barnes. Not- Barnes passed Mobley for me. That was the big thing that happened over the last three weeks. I just thought he was a more important player by the time this season ended to his team. Um, now, you could say Mobley was important, too, because Cleveland was never really the same after those guys went sideways. But uh, I just think Barnes, we're going to be watching the playoffs and people are going to go nuts. I don't think there's a ton of like casual fans watching Raptors games. And I think people are going to watch Barnes in the playoffs and be like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? He's really good. I'm excited for him. Who do you have for most improved? Pool. I had pool too. I thought I was like the only one. I thought I was the only one. We haven't talked about this prior to this. No, we have not. I don't get the jaw thing at all. Jaw was good last year. I so think now, it's because it's the leap that he was at the end with the pool MVP. Was the pool was, I, who the fuck knew who Jordan Poole was a year ago? 
Well, Poole had some really good stuff last year on on the overall from it, but I I look, I can't tell you how many times like I watch Poole and go, this guy is a serious problem. Like he's a serious problem. How about he has this new thing now where he does this step under move on that like he does like that last level of score where it looks like he's gonna shoot and then does the duck under? I he just has He's not just a three-point shooter, is my point. He's got, like, an actual arsenal of shots. Do you want to make the announcement that we just found out, other than that the Lakers just uh, just avoided 50 losses? We heard uh, Woj just tweeted, Frank Vogel has coached his final game for the Lakers, a decision that's expected to be shared with him as soon as Monday. Sources tell ESPN. I guess they shared it with him right now when they leaked it to Woj a minute after the season ended. I wonder, what do you, what do you think the Lakers... I wonder what what their uh, what their beef was with Vogel after saddling him with the team they saddled with. I wonder what as they look at Vogel, I'm like man, he should have done blank. What the hell is he going to do? LeBron basically thinks every coach towards the end isn't any good. So yeah, um, that's basically what happened here, and it was it was an impossible job because you can't have that many guys with that many resumes on the team at the same time. So I thought it was going to take him a couple months to even figure it out, and then it went even worse than that. So. Uh, oh, we should mention we we were predicting the Russell Westbrook uh, hit piece. I thought it was going to happen this summer because I think I was surprised that they'd want to affect his trade value. But no, it, it the season wasn't even over, and it was written. And I think their their game plan must be to just leak all kinds of bad shit about him, about uh, what a mess it was with him, and blame him, and hope he takes a buyout. It is was that, very is early. That the game it plan. Was- it was ahead of time. Super early. It wasn't the one I was expecting, which will happen, mm. but it was an appetizer. Um, and my favorite part of it was there was there was a, a part. Ramona Shelburne wrote it, and she, it was. And this is what's being told to her, so I don't blame her for writing it. But it was the crafting of the Westbrook acquisition, where very early in the piece, it was like, well, look, Westbrook had had told LeBron he would accept a different role. So in some way, it absolves blame for LeBron wanting Westbrook. It was like a hint at, here's how we're going to spin this. And it was like, well, Westbrook fucking told me he wasn't going to take terrible shots and just freelance on defense all the time. He told me he was going to totally change every way he's well, they, bl- they blamed LeBron for the transaction itself and then absolved him for Westbrook apparently misleading him. Yes, um, Westbrook I'm misled go- him. I'm going I'm to change how I play. It's like, if there was one guy in the last 50 years who was never changing one ounce of how he played at any point, it was Russell Westbrook. No, so I don't know how they felt no. for that one. And but you want to know why? Because that didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen. I, you know, like, but it was it was a step in the LeBron distancing himself from fully signing off on it. Listen, I'm so glad that he didn't play the last two games to go for the scoring title because, as I said a few days ago, I thought that was beneath him. I said that to House on Tuesday. It's like one of the great players of all time, number two on my list. What does he care about a scoring title? And, like, he didn't make the playoffs. Pack it in and go home. You're going to, like, try to chase the scoring title on a sprained ankle? It's beneath him. It's a better player than that. I'm glad he didn't do that. I think I think he saw the light. But I think he was going to chase the scoring title until his team saw some of the feedback about how that looked, where he's ducking the hard games, but yet he's going to come back to play OKC to put up like a 60 spot on them. That would have been terrible. I'm glad yeah, he didn't I, do that. I, I really do think that he changed plan 
Nets uh, because I do as well. I, I think he was going to play against the bad teams. But the thing is, is it kind of felt like he couldn't really win because I thought, well, there's no way he'll sit before they're eliminated. And then he did. Yeah. And then it's like, wait, if you sit before they're eliminated and you chase a scoring title, you realize you're going to get crushed even more than you think you are now. And he wasn't really because I think people got distracted with the MVP stuff, which has kind of dominated all of NBA Twitter here the last week or so. But I had um, one little little final thought on the whole thing is that did you have you how did you feel in the moment with the David Robinson 71 point game? I don't Do mind we, it. I don't mind it if the guy's healthy and is wait. uh no, if like, like whatever. If if it's last day of the season, I didn't mind when when the Gervin David Thompson. I grew up on that. That was from my generation. That was an exciting moment. If it's last day of the season, you're going for it. It's same thing. Like if you have a chance to score seventy points, we've had guys who had sixty points get taken out of the game when they had a chance to just go for seventy. I, I'm I'm okay with it. All right, but you do. I don't know if you remember. I didn't remember everything because I mean. When you're in college, you're not paying as much attention to the day-to-day. You know, oh, you Spurs. mean the actual details of the game? I don't know yeah. what happened. I just remember he had 71. They were fouling with two minutes left on purpose to get David Robinson more possessions. Oh, that, so it actually, it yeah, actually was like really gross. At yeah, the that's end. bad. And then the Clippers started complaining. And then John Lucas was kind of like, all right, baby. <laughs> like, he didn't care at that's all. Bad. So it, it got gross at the end of that game. I have Garland second for most improved. Garland's another good pick. Yeah. I just think that the leap that he made from last year to this year was pretty crazy. Uh, coach of the year, Monty? Monty won, Spo two, Udoka three. Hmm. I don't know who my two or three is yet. Defensive player of the year? I'm going Jaron Jackson. Interesting. I think he's so versatile. Uh, when you look at some of the stuff, like he's 50 more block steals combined, stocks ahead of anybody else. And I, I just think he gives them a lot of stuff. And I, I know that the award slants towards the bigger guys, but at the end of the day, I kind of think the bigger guys are more important defensively. It's, it's a little bit like the quarterback thing in football. I think I'm taking smart. He's Good one of the you. best, not a homer pick. I just think he had what he was doing as a defensive guard the second half of the season was some of the craziest shit I've seen in a while. Quick follow-up. Like, just completely disruptive and an absolute nightmare and was just everywhere. It was like watching it was like watching an awesome cornerback and an awesome safety at the same time. He was guarding everybody. He was completely unafraid. He set the tempo for the team. The defensive metrics on the team are crazy. They s- didn't stay up to the level they were when Williams got hurt. But um I just an absolute sick. I think it's really hard to find guys who do what he does as a guard and be that disruptive. But every year we can find three or four big guys who can be disruptive. What I he just did, think there, it's, who is the number right. two guy? Who is who is second to all the stuff he did at that position? Nobody. No, but you have Drew first team? I have him second team, I think. So who's your other guard then? I think, I, well, I have to look at the minutes. I was going to do this tomorrow, but... I, I thought Tybal was unbelievable. As if he uh, if he played enough minutes, I think I'm going to vote him first team in the card. I've I've smart first team. Can I ask a quick follow up? Yeah, the Embiid MVP can uh, the Embiid MVP campaigning bothered you, but the smart defensive player of the year campaigning did not. 
But I felt that way when he was 16 to one on FanDuel and we went on Ringer Gambling Show and I was like, I don't understand why he's not the favorite. He's absolutely sick. He started doing a lot of like, no one likes me. You're just like, all right, relax. I don't like that. Yeah, you're right. I wish he hadn't done that. Yeah. Didn't impact the voting thing. For, I just, I would rather have a... I don't, how about this? I don't like when any player lobbies for a pick and plays the pity card when they're trying to go for an award. Just don't do it. Yeah, and I would, I would not let it get in the way of my thing. I probably had smart too. You know, if Bam had played more games... I think if I, Bam had played, I don't know, three-fourths of the games, I'd probably pick Bam. I didn't uh, like that Jackson was 27 minutes a game. It was just... I just couldn't I get Bridges, there with it. Bridges, maybe a little love as well. For just love Bridges. Guys. Looked at him. Bridges was the other one. I, I probably had... I think I had smart... I, I don't know how it's going to go, but it's going to be smart Bridges, Jackson in some order. But I think Jackson's going to be third for me. All right, first team All-NBA. You want to go first? Yeah, I have a... I tried to figure out how to put Luca at forward because because <laughs> it solved a lot of problems. <laughs> Wait, and I did it. Didn't we just last week talk about how like, hey, this is the way we've been doing it. It says do it by position. You can't make it up. And the first thing you say... Well, here's the thing. I try to get Luca at forward. I voted for him at forward in 2021 and 2020. So two years in a row, I had him at forward. And I was like, why wouldn't I do that again? And I looked. I looked at all the lineups they played. I thought he played with Brunson and did Whitty more. He really didn't. No. Yeah. When you sent me that text today, I didn't want to jump on you. Yeah. They split him up a decent amount. Yeah. He's, Luca was just a guard. It's, it's, a stretch to put him at forward. and It's a huge stretch. I didn't feel good about it, so I didn't do it. Um, okay. So, Yoka, Giannis, Tatum, Luca, Booker, which I think most people, that I think that's going to be the five, unless you unless you cheat and put Embiid and Jokic together. I went back, I looked at the last six times I voted for All-NBA dating back to 2016. In 21, I had Jokic 1 and Embiid 2. In 20, I had Davis 1 and Jokic 2. In 19, I had Embiid 1 and Jokic 2. In 18, I had Davis 1 and Embiid 2. I just, I think you should pick one center. I've done it the whole time I've had a vote, and I don't see why we would change that this year. And I think, as we discussed in part one, had Jokic Jokic a hair over Embiid. I feel bad. Embiid had an awesome season, but this is the shit that happens when you do all NBA. So that's my five. Who do you have? I have the exact same thing. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't screw around with it. I put it by position and you know, it, it sucks for Embiid. There you go. Um, okay. Second team. We both have Embiid. Yes. We both have Durant. Yes. I really tried to go down the road with figuring out him for 55 games for first team on NBA, but the bottom line is Tatum had a great resume. There's no reason to bump Tatum for first team. He was really good. If Durant had played 10 more games, he gets the Tatum spot, but you know, he played 55. Bad luck. He was out for 21 games. The records with uh the records for him um 
when he played versus when he didn't play was probably the most significant of anybody we're talking about, right? He was, I'm looking it up right now, um, 27 missed games. They were 35 and 19 when he played, 8 and 19 when he didn't play. It's too bad. And he's had a lot of bad luck with this stuff over the years where I think the untimely injuries or 20-game injuries here and there. Anyway, I have Embiid, Durant, DeRozan, Curry, Ja is where I landed, which I think is what most, most people are going to pick. You had that? We, yeah, we did not talk about this ahead of time. I have the exact same five. Look, if you're going through it, did I want to put Chris Paul in the Ja Morant spot? I did. I just couldn't get there. I thought the Suns were that good this season. And the thing with Chris, he was 15-4 and 11 assists a game. He was uh, 49-32-84. The three-pointers were lower than I thought this year, the percentage for him. Um, his usage rate was 19.7, which I thought was amazing. 17 missed games. There were 53-12, and 11-5 without him. And his stats would be better if he cared about stats, which he doesn't. But it just it just wasn't quite good enough. And Ja, even though he missed uh, 24 games, he, he meant so much in those games. I think he gave that team a championship aura by how good he was. And um, I just thought he deserved second. And team. he was insane when he played. And I he mean, was I know insane they, when I he played. They, I know they won a bunch of games without him, but then I didn't feel good about putting the other guards that are in the mix ahead of him because I thought when Ja was in, it was that dynamic and they won a bunch of games with him. We know they won a bunch of games without him, which is crazy. But, you know, and if you're going to do KD second team, you have to do Ja Yeah, do that's a combo. So. Third team. Let's see if we have any changes. I think we will on this one. Guards, Chris Paul and Trey Young. Yep. You know, last time we did it, ran through it. I, I left going, okay, I'm not leaving Trey off. I'm not 100% comfortable with the financial implications for it. So I, I think if it's close, I would probably go in that direction. Now, there's no way I'd put Trey any higher than third team here because they were extremely disappointing despite all of his numbers. And then when there was a moment where I was like, would I put Trey over Chris Paul if I put another guard? Because I don't love that I don't have Donovan Mitchell in the mix because the numbers are absurd again for Donovan Mitchell and they're still a good team. Not They're not great, but Utah's been good. Um, I started playing with these these scenarios where like imagine if Chris Paul were on the Hawks. Would there be a four seed in the East? You know, like I know, I know that sounds like an anti-trade thing, but look, here's the point. Is Trey and Chris Paul are both my guards on the third team. And once you get through it and you go through all the guards, the only Mitchell, other options. Mitchell really, was the only one with a case. Yeah. And Levine in passing to say his name, because to say it, to say it that we're aware and we looked at it all and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, this one wasn't the only thing I really struggled with was the other forward spot for the third team. I well, think let's, Fort, let's get there. Who'd right. you have for center? I had Towns. Towns. I put him in over Gobert. There's a possible cheat code where you could go Bam. Bam or Gobert at center and put Towns at forward. Because if you watch the T Wolves, even though Vanderbilt's listed as a power forward, Towns is. I don't even really know what position he is. He's kind of like a center forward. And if you wanted to get creative. Well, offensively, yeah. You know, he'll he'll mix yeah, up his position. I just didn't do bit, it. I, I didn't think Bam played enough games and I didn't want to reward Gobert. Um, Siakam is in one forward spot for me. I think Siakam, I was looking at all the all the votes I had over the years. I had Siakam third team in 2019. I had Siakam third team in 2020. And I have him third team this year. So three of the last four years, 
I had him as one of the six best forwards of the league. What, five, six months ago, we were like, would you trade, you know, uh, Kaminga, the Kaminga pick and Andrew Wiggins for Siakam? Nah, I wouldn't do that. Siakam, I, I think, I feel like he could have been had in a trade for about okay, but, three months there. Remember, the Siakam stuff got weird, though. It got, like, weird there for a little while. And you're yeah, like, that's why you, you know, could have had him. Yeah, so he's been unbelievable um, for the last however many months. I mean, he he took over the game the other night. And then I did, I, there was a fourth quarter game, though, in another game where he didn't, like, he was going at Embiid in that Philly win. I mean, that was, was. that was incredible. And then he had another game that it wasn't all that great. But the overall numbers, the point is, look, everybody's up and down. It doesn't matter, but. Uh, his overall numbers now for a long stretch have been really, really good. So I he's, a, he's almost a 23 and 10, five assists. Yeah, the 50, assist numbers. 49% shooting. He's only missed 14 games. And that team's a five seed. And he's, I think, a worthy forward. So then the other forward spot. I I, I fucking hate it, but I had LeBron. Why and do I you hate it so much? I don't like it. I don't like it. I know I mean, it's disappointing. I know he picks spots. He put up huge offensive numbers here again. The forward crop is is light to get to six. He's that's, he's in. That's why I had him. It's like there, it's there's other years. Like two, I thought it was last year. I got my years mixed up. Two years ago, I kept Beal off because he was a good stats, bad team guy. And I, I'm on the record over the years. I don't like the good stats, bad team. I don't care. Give yeah, but sometimes record. here's the point though. Like just like the MVP stuff we were talking about in part one. If you present Embiid's case in a vacuum, you're like, how does that guy lose MVP? And you're like, okay, but you're comparing to everything else. Yep. So in your Beal argument, you may have had a better option that you felt better about. Yes. In this year, to get to six forwards, you have to do something you probably don't like based on your criteria of good stats, bad team guy. But LeBron's still deserving of one of these six spots. And by the way, the Pascal-Jimmy Butler thing was really tough for me. It was really tough. Butler, though, has better efficiency stuff. Yeah, I have him. I have him over good Pascal. Enough. I have more Siakam. They were 38 and 19 with Butler, 15 and 9 without him. 23% from three point line this year. He had the weird yep. incident with three weeks left and he missed a ton of games. All right. But the, the on off thing favors Butler over Siakam. The defensive plus minus stuff favors Butler pretty significantly. The, the PER stuff is like almost four points, well, no, three better. There's some there's some stuff with Butler on the analytics side where you're like, wait, I don't know how much of an argument this really is. So I think the stuff with with Spo, whatever. I mean, it looked bad. It looked like Jimmy Butler. It's not new. And if it were new, I don't know how much I would have that like that really gotten your I mean, if you want to just tell me you like Siakam better as a player, I go, okay, fine. You might be right. I might be wrong. The Spo thing didn't factor in. I like Siakam more as a player. Okay. I think the second half of the season, I thought he was excellent. He was. And uh, I'm looking up his splits. What were his splits after the All-Star break? He was almost 25 points a game. I mean, he was really good the whole year. He for The assist numbers, re- too. He, November, he was 18 and 7. And then from that point on, he basically took off. And I test-wise... I think that team needed him to really step up, especially in close games against good teams. That team did really well against other good teams this year. And he was the guy they went to most of the time. It was him or Van Vliet, but really Siakam if they had the matchups. Whereas Butler, you watch them and and 
honestly, it seems like Harrow's their more impo- most important guy at the end of a lot of these games. But they kind of ride or die with him. And they're running him around screens and he's the guy who's creating. And um, I don't know. I just thought Siakam was better. But I do agree that it was close. I uh, I wanted to put Butler in the LeBron spot. I couldn't get there. The Lakers finished 32 and 50. They were 25 and 31 when he played. He missed 26 games. He's plus 3.4 on off. There's historical stuff where it's like the players, here's the complete list of players who missed at least 23 games on a losing team and made all NBA since the merger. Pete Maravich, 1978. He made first team for some reason. He missed 32 games. Still don't understand it. Bernard King, 1985, made first team, deserved it. His 33 game was an absolute tornado. And then Kevin Love, second team, 2012. He missed 23 games. And uh, and he made it. The the list of players that have missed at least 23 games have made first, second, third team, it's less than 15. So Curry did it recently in 2018. Um, ben Warbeck did some good stuff on Yahoo about this. He said, basically, players who played 50-plus games for a legitimately bad team, like 40% record or worse for winning, had a vintage season. It's really only Elgin Baylor, 1960. Will Chamberlain, 63, Kevin Garnett, and Dwayne Wade, both 2007. So they, I think it has to be a famous player having a really good season, and he qualifies. And it's like, should there be a little cachet for being LeBron James? Yeah, maybe there should be. But I don't feel great about it. Okay, but do you still think he's one of the 15 best players? I do. Well, do I think he's one of the 15 impactful guys that we watched this season? Yes. Yeah, I think it's okay. I think it's okay with all NBA to, and I'm not talking like it's some career achievement thing, but I think when you watch a full season of games and you go, do I really want to put 15 guys ahead of LeBron? I didn't want to do that. I did this. I was like, all right, I'm going to switch LeBron and Siakam. Are the Raptors worse or better? Are the Lakers worse or better? Raptors are probably a little bit better. I'm going to switch Butler and LeBron this year from what we saw. Is Miami better? Yeah, probably. Probably a couple of games better. So you start thinking that way, you're like, all right, what are, what are we doing? I don't like the fact that uh, I just, I, I didn't think, I went to those four games. That's what I couldn't shake out of my head. Watching the guy leave timeouts and just walk as far away from his team as he possibly could. He wanted to get out of that season from February on. He just did. You could see it if you went to the games. And he was looking for his own stuff, and that's fine. I don't blame him because he's playing with Russell Westbrook and a bunch of washed-up guys. But he's also partly the reason they were there. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to... Whatever your rules are, you end up bending them, if not breaking them at times, to get to your 15. And next yeah, year, I think that's all fair. Your, I didn't vote for him rules. in 2019, and I think that was the right move. I think he made it 13 mile NBA in 2019, but I voted for Siakam and Aldridge, who were both By on the really way, good teams. Speaking of the Lakers, they avoided 50 losses with that win tonight against Denver. They sure um, did. Right. Um, so Vogel, just moments ago, his quote about whether or not he's been informed that he's been fired, his quote was, I haven't been told shit. Amazing. Did Magic fire him? <laughs> Magic's going to be on first take tomorrow. 
being like, well, I, I hit up Frank, but I have his old number. So I, we're going to try to talk to him today. I loved, I love that thing you did about magic, how he keeps resurfacing. Well, TV, um, I know who calls him. I know how it well, works. Well, we know and how I, it goes. Right. And I don't blame anyone from ESPN going, do you want to come on the show and cause a fucking ruckus? Here's the <laughs> thing. The, when he does that, though, the insinuation is that if he was running things, it would have gone a lot better. First of all, I went back and listened to our over-under pod we did about the Lakers. I went under. I think you went under, and I think House went over. All of us were like, Davis and LeBron, throw anybody with those guys, and you're still going to be one of the most talented teams in the West. We okay, don't like the Westbrook trade, but we quick, all said that. I'm going to jump in and give you credit. You were more down on him than any of us were in the pod. But, you, but I, you I never said like, like they're going to suck. I was just like, I don't, I don't think he's going to help them, but they still have Davis and LeBron. They're going to be fine. That it was yeah, where we well, all landed. <laughs> I don't think anybody was going, I wonder what Simmons and Rosillo think about Westbrook. Like, I don't think anybody was was shocked by any of this. And honestly, me as being probably... As, yeah, it wasn't as, a lot of news-breaking stuff from us. Although I loved, I don't know, I almost I almost sent it out. Maybe I'll do it for you later tonight. There was some fan site that was throwing out uh, Westbrook's totals. Like, not his oh. averages, but his totals. Oh, yeah. And so, like, in 10 categories, Westbrook was first or second. Because I can't wait. Like, if Westbrook is moved, someone on TV is going to say... Like, look, he's still 18, seven and seven. Like, you know, and you, you t- little tweak, <laughs> little tweak there. And I'm like, you should just go to China, dude. You just go to China, get like 50 after this $47 million thing. Cause you're, you're anyway, we've already done all this Westbrook. Stuff I read here. some piece about trying to think of Westbrook trades. And one of them was like, if Charlotte wants to get off of the Hayward Rozier contracts. Oh my God. Get out with Westbrook. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're not going to want to do that. There's no home for him. They're going to be stuck with him. And I think they're going to keep undermining him and hope that he just demands a buyout. I think that's the end game for this. But I thought Ramona's piece that was really good in the sense that she was like, those around Westbrook, like the idea of a, a buyout is such an insult to him because he thinks a buyout player is just like, oh, you're washed. And then you took a buyout. So I yep. thought that was really uh, good insight in that piece. I'm never going to say never about any ridiculous contract. I'm never going to say never about any player that looks like nobody would want him. But as we've talked about, the landing spots for him are really, really complicated because even bad teams with nothing exciting, even if you wanted to say, well, maybe Presti would do it for a sweetener or whatever. And you're like, yeah, but these guys are trying to develop all the guys they've just been drafting and to throw Westbrook into the mix. Like he's he's the weirdest fit because he's just going to show up and want to do all of his shit there, too. So, yeah, like if you're rebuilding, it's like you're making an indie movie. And the producer's like, hey, I know we're working with all these young actors, but I got Nick Cage. Like, oh, cool. I knew where you were going, but I didn't know where. And I think you. I thought I, I landed Nick, the plane. Yeah. No, Nick Cage is a really good one. What's a better Thanks. one, though? If you give yourself some more time to think about it, like who would be the guy to come in on an indie film at this stage of his life? Where you'd be like, oh, it's like it's like Burt Reynolds in the like late 90s past Boogie Nights, like five years after with big bad wig on. Just <laughs> still thinking he's Burt Reynolds. What if it was like some Columbia film student and it was Ed Norton? It was like, oh, Ed Norton. Yeah. They're rumored to be difficult on the set. Do you know... Matthew Modine? No, I don't want to start that up again. Oh, don't get it. Don't feud with Modine. Do you know Tracy McGrady in 2004 made second team All-NBA on the 2004 Magic that were 21 and 61? 
Did you know Antonio McDyess made third team All NBA in 1999, and the Nuggets were 14 and 36 in the strike season? <laughs> so the, those are our nadirs. All right, but I'm telling you, the level of talent that we have at the top now, there's some lean years when you go back and start digging through it. Like it's incredible. I, we I were, I'll, I'll have we nights were, where I can't believe what I get to see. You know, we we're a couple forwards short this year for I. I I just don't think LeBron should have made it playing 56 games with a losing record, but it's, there was, he was the best choice. It is what it is. Um, that's it. Who do you have in the finals? I still have Buck Suns. I've never wavered since October. We're too similar on this. Well, we so watch give basketball. Me, give me Phoenix, Boston then. Oh, what a dick. Right, just so, just so, if Boston makes it, I can say you never believed in them, and I knew it. I just believe, a tor- just to torture you. I believe. Uh, I think they can make it. In fact, I was gonna, I was gonna pick Suns Bucks, but now I'm not going to. I'll pick Boston. Well, I'm doing the thing. Um, I actually laid out. You'll like this. I did my whole bracket. You got any five twelves? Oh, you'll notice. If you stop moving it, oh, you have Boston in the finals. I do, but I subscribe to the theory that you can't change your pick from the start of the season unless there's like a really good reason, like the guy got hurt or it's just like if you had the Lakers in the finals, you could change your pick. But I feel like if the pick that you had before the season is realistic, you should try to keep it. If I was betting, I would bet Phoenix-Boston because the odds are better. And I think it's a toss-up between Boston and Milwaukee. There you go. Who does Saruti have? Uh, man. I mean, it's Phoenix in the West, and I'll I'll go I'll go Bucks. It's Chuck. Although I think you guys are underselling Durant and, and the Nets. I don't know. I'd be scared to sell them. I, listen, at no point did I ever not say I was wasn't scared of Kevin Durant. Nah, you're a little dismissive. I I'm giving him the 35 a game in the series. I'm I'm already giving it to him. Yeah, but that's not what the point is. We're not talking about stats. We're talking about carrying. And he almost did it last year. Exactly. In Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, for the defensive stuff, it's actually kind of crazy how the last 15, they they finished out like a really nice net, plus six. Hmm. They were the fourth best offense. They were the ninth best defense. But something did feel off going into that Knicks game where I'm like, what the fuck with these guys? Like, come on. Like, where is it? I know Seth Curry being in and out doesn't help. The Harris thing, obviously, was was done a long time ago. Um, I mean, I imagine they're probably just going to go small and try to just horrify you with with amazing ISO players. And you know, actually, efficient ISO players can can get the job done in the playoffs when they're really hard to guard. I don't think Curry's healthy. Yeah, I don't. Well, I think he's going to play. But so, if I said to you before the season, the Nets aren't going to have James Harden, and they're not going to have Joe Harris. But instead, they're going to have Seth Curry at 80% and Andre Drummond. They're going to get nothing from Blake Griffin at all. Zero. Nothing from Paul Millsap. And Kyrie will have played 20 games. <laughs> How far do you think the Nets are going to go in the playoffs? I would say not far. But if you told me before everything that happened last year that Kyrie, KD, and Harden were going to play eight games together and then they were going to lose Kyrie, mm. and then Harden was going to blow out his Fair. hamstring, and they were still a, a three-pointer away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, that's crazy. And it still almost happened. 
So let's I'm, end up. Let's end on this. The Brooklyn Boston series is going to be awesome. Durant against the Bucks last year, 29, 10, 2, 32, 4, 6, 30, 10, and 5, 28, 13, and 5, 49, 17, and 10 in a game five when they were up 3 2 in the well, series. Well, if he's going to put up 49 a game, I'm not feeling as good. 32 and 11, 3, 48, 9, and 6 in the overtime loss. Here's my dream scenario for Celtics Nets. The series ends, Celtics win. The long, long hug between Tatum and Durant, followed by the announcer going, What did what did KD say to you after that game? And and Tatum just goes, I, you know, I'd like to get that between us, but he did say, You're next, young buck. That's what I want. That's what I want from the series. What if you read lips and he says, how attached are you to that Pritchard guy? <laughs> no, he, he leads in and goes, why didn't you tell me about Kyrie? I've known you for seven years. Everybody told no heads up. about Kyrie. Everybody they, told Kyrie. They Kevin really did. It. Oh, my God. Uh, all right, we'll end on that. You can listen to Rosillo's podcast. He has a couple this week. I will have a couple as well. My pop on the Ringer Gambling Show is at least once. This podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. Thanks to Dylan Berkey and Steve Cerruti as well. Good to see you, Rosilla. Thanks. I wanna see them on a waste of